What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast Season 3. And it's Season 3 because we have three cameras now. Yeah. I know, right? Duh. Isn't it great? Setting this it's up. the only way to do it. Setting this up was fun. Yes. I thought I was going to use a different word there, didn't you? Uh-huh. But I didn't. I used fun. Yep, you lied. But yeah, uh, people listening to this on our audio feed, you are as always welcome to continue listening to this on the audio feed, but we do have a brand new video format with a new table and multi-cameras because we are committed to improving the quality. I do like quality. Always, yeah. And I I had all these ideas for like this huge relaunch, but I think that with all of the travel and everything, it would be better if we just continually make gradual improvements. Yeah, I think if we try to make it one, that that almost always works better for me is gradual improvements or yeah. progress over like the need to do something dramatic and crazy. Yeah, I think then that never happens. Right. There's always this idea of like a, a huge grand launch, but yeah. everything I've ever done in my life that's been successful has been like a little bit at a time. Yeah. I mean, the podcast was just me in my room talking into a Blue Yeti mic. I think I just, I came up with the idea on the fly and the first outline on the fly. There was no grand launch. I know everyone who writes those blog posts likes to say, uh, you want to launch with like, you know, five episodes and have this whole grand thing and email your list and ask them to review your show. I did none of that. Fair. I just put up an episode and then I said, hey guys, there's a podcast now. And uh, five years later, here we are. Apparently that's a lot of years though. But yeah. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of podcasts online and on YouTube and just wanted to bring ours into 2018, you know? Yeah. 2018, you need like, well, 2019, it's going to be like five cameras. Well, yeah, there's got to be like a, a top view. Exactly. You got a top view. We got to have one up there for Instagram, one up there for Snapchat, one up a there. Drone a drone. circles around so yeah. we can get a moving feed. That may decrease the audio quality. Just saying. That's not what it's about in 2019. I, it's, it's not about, about audio quality. Feed. It's just about drones. Yeah. Actually, we're just going to cut the audio. Gimmicks. We're just going to replace all of the talking with dubstep music. Just like okay. Peter McKinnon and Casey Neistat. That's what the kids want these days. You're just watching just, people ostensibly have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's dumb. 2019 is not looking good. No, apparently. it's not. We got to do as much as we can in 2018 yeah. because we are legally obligated to ruin our podcast in 2019 <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one other thing that we are going to be um, making an effort to do is getting to the point a little bit quicker because I know that yeah. you and I are um, – we sometimes like to meander our way to the point. A little bit. We digress. Yeah. We digress. We digress sometimes. And because this new format takes more editing and because I want to give you guys what you clicked on the episode for a little bit faster, we are going to try to get to the point a bit more quickly we'll we're try. not gonna cut the we'll small try. talk i'm not saying we're gonna win no we, yeah, might we fail. could fail we'll probably just fail every time but we'll try that's true i'm okay with that <laughs> we do yeah. still have tea though the tea is less visible but the tea has not left no and it can never leave i love tea still uh, tastes good I, I know right well i always say tea but we usually drink rooibos yeah. and i'm sorry for that because i know you like the uh the genmai cha and the sencha Ooh, and all cool. that stuff it's cool i had some good hoji cha this morning so i was in atlanta over the weekend for the Menfluential Conference, and I watched Ocean's 13 in the hotel room. Because oh, I don't think I've seen that one. I Well, Ocean's 11 is one of my favorite movies of all seen time. seen the first two. Bar none. Ocean's 12 is okay. There's something I don't like about I don't like how they do the whole stupid, like, Julia Roberts' characters impersonating Julia Roberts and then Bruce. Like, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't work for me. It's all right. Wait. 
I just want to point out that we literally just mentioned we get oh, to I the know. point faster. I what it, all I wanted to somewhere? say, all I wanted to say <laughs> okay. was in Ocean Thirteen, <laughs> one of the characters asks for a Genmai Cha or Sencha, and I was reminded of you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, because I was worried that was going to become like, we're going to get to the point faster, never mind. No, I just wanted to mention that. Okay. Anyway, so we are kicking off season three with five questions from you guys, and I do want to point out before we get into the first question that if you do have questions, a lot of our episode topics become become from questions, uh, and then sometimes we take questions that we think wouldn't make an entire episode, and then we just do like a little lightning round like this, and I love five questions episodes. Yeah. Partly because they require a little bit less research. Grab bags are fun. And they're grab bags. You never yeah. know what you're going to get. It's like a box of grenades. It is. Or something like that. It's exactly like that. <laughs> so let's get into our first question. Uh, and I don't know who these come from. And we're not going to make up rapping rapper uh, baby names or anything. I'm just going to say the questions. So question number one. When it's cold, I always find myself cozying up in bed at home, trying to keep warm and study. But I end up dozing off. It's worse during the weekends when there isn't as much of a reason to get out of bed. And my college library is closed during the weekends. So how can I stay productive at home in the winter? Yeah, I hate winter. I mean, so I feel this. Here's one here's one answer. Do as the bears do, just hibernate. Give up. Yeah, right? that is one answer. That's what I want to do. Over. That's what I want to do every time. Yeah. Um this yeah, this is a very good question. So I'm usually not dealing with the cold because we have heat in the apartment, but this does remind me of when we lived in the uh, Iowa house and I would try to wake up and read. I would do it in that chair, but I would do it like in the living room in the little reading corner and I would just fall asleep in my chair. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Or I would start That's not daydreaming. The same as reading. I know, right? Or I'd start daydreaming or I'd stare at the walls. There was some, like, something about the comfort of that chair that just made it really difficult for me to um, actually pay attention. Oh, so bad chair for work. Yes. So I will give my ideas and then you can uh, maybe chime in with some of your own, which I know you have. Fair. So I do my work from coffee shops. Obviously, that is a little expensive, especially when you're buying lattes every day like me. You could just go with regular coffee or tea. I think at Starbucks, like tea is $2 maybe. So that's not too bad. That's... Um, you could also see if so. Mm. You're, this person said that the college library is closed during the weekends. Maybe they have a public library open. Oh, actually, this extra info I didn't put oh. it in the question. Their public libraries suck. They're bad. Oh, you know, no good. Okay. I just didn't want the question to be seventeen paragraphs of us reading a question. How very kind of you. I try. Okay, so no public library. That's out. Um, I mean, for me, coffee shops work really well. Sometimes I work and I'm cold and I deal with it. It's not fun, but. You know, you do what you want to do. Uh, the other thing I was thinking of is what if you did a workout first? Because that raises your body temperature for quite yeah. a while. It actually primes your brain for learning more effectively after you're done working out, which is something that has been talked about in that book, Spark, that I recommend all the time. And uh, you'll be warm. Yeah, and exercise is definitely one of the things that was on my list because – Okay. Well, also because on the weekend, you gotta you got to do something. You got to do something because you can yes. sit in bed all day if you want, you know, yes. unless you're working or something. But um, some of the other things I got in here were um, I really appreciate that I got an electric little space heater That's because right. if my room's too cold to focus, well, obviously I can't focus. Mm-hmm. But if I fix that with tons of layers of really comfy clothing, which is all of the most warm clothing or a blanket, that's the worst one. If I get those, 
I'm not, I can't work. Like I'm working with a blanket wrapped around me. I do not feel like I'm in a working environment, but the space heater lets me wear normal clothes. Yeah. I'm unencumbered. I can wear professional clothes, which is also an important step for the weekend because you want to feel like you're trying to get something done. If you're just wearing like, well, I can't focus very well in sweatpants from wearing no. pajamas all day just because it's Saturday and I can. If you're trying to get work done, you should set the environment as if it's not just a lazy Saturday. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I think is very important here, other than just treating weekdays like stuff, being being productive and whatever, is uh, one, winter has less daylight, which yep. means that I get most of my stuff done early in the morning because okay. I, when it's nighttime, especially when it's cold in nighttime, I'm like, well, it's, it's a winter night. I'm supposed to have like a candle and a book, you know? Yeah, the, the early darkness kind of triggers this like, hey, the day's over feeling in my head. Yeah, and it makes me not want to be productive. So you got to get up early enough and take advantage of all that daylight, whether or not some of it should be for fun too. You know, you get out for the sunlight, go for a walk. That's good for your mental energy. Mm -hmm. But just don't, don't wait until it goes away so fast and then you can't focus if it's dark. Unless you can focus in the dark, in which case I guess winter's your prime time. I find that I can focus in the dark if it's the morning. Oh yeah. So if I wake up and it's 6 a.m. and it's still dark, I can go to Starbucks and I can get work done. And somebody actually in the comments, they called out, they were like, don't you go to local coffee shops and support local places? And yeah, I did. Yeah, it closed. Until it closed. It broke my heart. Now Starbucks is the only thing in walking distance. And I, as much as I like local coffee shops, I don't want to drive. The other thing is most local coffee shops don't open until 7 or 8. Yeah. I want to get in there and do my writing at 6. And I'm not alone. My friend Aaron Marino from Alpha M, his morning routine is 5 a.m. Starbucks writing. So, I mean, hey, if anyone out there wants to open a coffee shop in Denver near where I live that's open at 5 a.m. Yeah. And has I mean, better espresso do. than Starbucks, you will get all my money. Yeah. The other thing I thought of, so you mentioned like dressing professionally. Yeah. Often dressing professionally is warmer than dressing casually. Hmm. Because I put on an undershirt, I put on oh, yeah. a button-down shirt, and then I have some V-neck sweaters that I can put on. I'll throw those on. And... I'm wearing warm clothes, but they're warm clothes that make me feel like I have a purpose to my day. Whereas like throwing yeah. on a hoodie and sweatpants makes me feel like I'm going to be a couch potato all day yeah. and just play Gungeon. And then you which probably happens will. sometimes. Yeah, but when I when I feel dressed for a purpose, when I feel dressed professionally, then I'm like, why would I waste the time I took to get dressed playing video games? Yeah. Or going to sleep or cozying up in bed. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, one of the Like the last thing that I got to say about this is in the Northern Hemisphere, especially, I think it is very important to fight your urge to hibernate because for Mm -hmm. us, the first two months of the year are winter. And that is when everybody sets their resolutions. They got their, I got a blank slate feeling and you got to work hard because if you don't do stuff the first two months and you make yourself feel bad about it, then you've set a really bad tone for the beginning of the year just because it's cold out. And that's yeah. part of why I think you should go outside too, go for a walk, because the weather doesn't control me. I'll go outside if I want. If you're going to feel helpless and like you're just waiting for external things to allow you to work, like wait for it to get warm, then that helplessness might creep into other areas. Yeah. You know, I wonder now, uh, it would be cool to see data on whether or not Australians and Indians and, well, I guess India probably doesn't have a whole think, lot of harsh winters. I think winters, it's like the... But Australia has winter. It would be really cool to see, like, how do they stick to their New Year's resolutions versus how do we 
Stick Does like them. the Southern Hemisphere do better because their first two years, their first two months are like nice? Yeah, like they're setting New Year's resolutions like, in the be. summer. You know, we're like, I'm going to exercise. And then we're like, it's cold out. I don't want to go to the gym. Yeah, there are like, fewer you excuses. you got to fight it because it's setting the tone for your year and winter sucks. But you got to overpower it. And then you get the easy ones. And you're like, I did the hardest thing first. Yeah. This year's easy now. Mm, okay, so I'm going to get the data on this. And if it turns out the Australians have the advantage, now I can go write a New York Times bestselling book. The Australia <laughs> strategy. Ooh. How to 10x your productivity just by moving to Australia. Because you can set your how to get eaten by a poisonous snake the size of your house. This is true. Probably. An anaconda will consume you immediately the moment you step off the plane. It's gonna be something. I mean, I suppose we could just be like, what if we set new July resolutions? Well, yes. You also, know? if you if you've messed up your New Year's resolution already, <laughs> we literally just talked about that in the last episode. How mm-hmm. to plan out your year? Just start over. Maybe listen to that episode if you need extra like motivation. But don't. Don't give up. It doesn't have to set the tone. It's just that we culturally place a lot of importance on the beginning of the year. Yeah. There's a lot of psychological power to date changeovers. Yeah. But, I mean, if we are talking to U.S. people, we have July 4th. So you could have your big fun July 4th and then make July 5th. It's like a new year for the United States. Yeah. And I'm sure every country out there has dates that are significant throughout the year. So you could just pick one and be like, all right, this is going to be my next 90-day sprint date. Or something like that. Yeah. You know, January 1st is the only option. All right. So question number two, does listening to music count as multitasking? And I have to say, yeah. Yeah. If you're paying attention to it, it definitely takes your focus. But if you're not paying attention to it, like, I don't know, it counts. You just don't need to focus on it as much some of the time. Yeah. Well, that was the thing that you told me, which made it into the script for the multitasking video. There's a difference between multitasking and multifocus. Yeah. So if you're listening to music, I guess like you are you are devoting a part of your attention to something. But the weird thing for me is when I listen to music, I work better. Yeah. I always write and research with music, but it's with my study playlists. I never listen to mu- music with lyrics because that would actually be multifocus. Oh, yeah, because you're focusing on the, on the words too much and and – you could also try maybe music in a foreign language if you yeah. don't care. That doesn't work for me. But, you know, you could try it and maybe you wouldn't focus on that. But as long as you're paying attention to the lyrics, yeah. it's multitasking. Well, you think about it this way. Like 2,000 years ago, you have a hunter-gatherer, right? And he's like stalking through the forest, totally tunnel vision, trying to find some prey. But there's all these sounds in the background. I don't think those people were starving and not being able to catch their prey because they couldn't completely silence all the noises of nature. Yeah. And you could make the argument that certain types of music blend into the background like the noises of nature. And I think this is why white noise and things like coffee shop noises or, you know, rain, uh, what is it, rainy mood? Yeah. People use that kind of stuff because it creates like this ambient noise. I think the right kind of music becomes a type of ambient noise. Yeah. And like, I love Brain FM for that reason. Yeah. Your brain is perceiving it, but it isn't focusing on it. So maybe it is a task of, of sorts. I would say it's kind of in a gray area, though, because you're not really doing anything. It's like it's just a part of your environment and yeah. that could distract you. For the same reason, if I were poking you in the head while you were trying to write, you would partial, partially focus on that and it would, it would be hard to work. You know, <laughs> It would definitely mess up your, <laughs> your focus. Music is just an environmental distraction, but it's yeah. not that bad. It can be a helpful distraction. Maybe it's not even a distraction. You get into diffused mode too. Maybe music is part of environmental design. 
And this is going to vary for every single person out there, but some music will contribute to the formation of a better environment for their focus. And some music, like uh, maybe Mama Duad for some people out there who have oh, no taste. I love that. You heard my feelings. <laughs> would great. not like it. I don't want to hurt your feelings, man. Mama Duad is it's great. from the future. He's from the future. From he the knows future. more than we do. But some people might listen to that and be like, I, I can't study to this because I have no taste. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while we're on this question, I do want to note that for those of you who have been listening, there is now a Spotify study playlist. Actually, there are two. So I made one. It's called Sunday Study. And every Sunday I'm adding five new tracks to it. So it's going to be constantly growing over time. I think eventually it is going to include most of what's on the YouTube playlist. But then it's going to get even bigger because I'm adding five at a time. So I think that will eventually become like a huge, pretty flagship study playlist. Um, so I'm going to have that linked in the show notes in the description. And then I got an email from a listener a little while ago who said that he had spent, I don't even know how much time he spent doing this. So I got to give him props. Um, he recreated the ultimate study music playlist here on YouTube as best as he could in Spotify. So he wasn't able to get everything because some of the stuff I have well, on YouTube yeah. is anime soundtracks and Toho soundtracks. Not everything and, on YouTube is legally up there and Spotify is more yeah. bound or, by that. Or sometimes it is. You know, a lot of, I think a lot of times the rights holders have been like, okay, that's fine to be up there, but we're going to monetize it. But then they don't give the license to Spotify. Spotify is more curated. Um, but I noticed, so he must have taken a lot of time to do this because, so for example, I have some stuff from the Near Automata soundtrack on the YouTube playlist. The Near Automata soundtrack, as far as I know, is not on Spotify, but there's a piano collections version that is on there. So he went and found the piano collections oh, versions that's, that's or string arrangements or just anything similar and created a very close version of it. Nice. So I will have both of those linked in the show notes. And if you have been clamoring for that playlist on Spotify, props to that guy. My playlist is a little bit different and it's growing a little more organic, organically and slow. And I'm having fun with that. Um, and as always, I do want to mention that this podcast could be on Spotify if you tweet Spotify and let them know you want it on Spotify. That's true. I'm constantly getting asked and I, I have no control. My hands are tied. Yep. <laughs> we could press a button. We would do it. I wish I could do it. And maybe Spotify will make it happen soon enough. We'll see. All right. Question number three. How can I connect with somebody when we don't have the same interests? This is a really good question. It is a good question. And I would like to know the answer. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, Every time I, I meet some somebody. Answers. So, like, when I go to a business networking event, I have no trouble connecting with people because it's usually people who have a like mindset that I have. Mm, you know, yes. it's, it's pretty similar. And even if they're not doing the same kind of business, they're interested in business or marketing. They're usually into health and fitness, like all kinds of stuff. So, I'm like, I'm in my element. I can talk to anybody. But if I go to, say, like a family reunion or a wedding, like, I know I'm there just because of familiar uh, familial relationships. And I don't know. Like, a lot of times I don't know what to say. I'm a lot more nervous to go talk to people. <laughs> what do I do? And I yeah. mean, hey, you're, you're such an extrovert, right? Oh, I'm <laughs> definitely the opposite. The most that. extroverted. Uh, yeah. So I've got some stuff for this that I actually think is useful despite my introvertedness. Mm -hmm. Introversion? Whatever. Language is evolving. Um, so first – I would challenge the idea that you have nothing in common. People are pretty complex, and you might not know what you have in common because yeah. there are a billion weird things that I like that you're not going to know. Maybe you're like, oh, Martin likes language, but you don't know any of the other weird stuff. You don't know that I like Mahmoud Awad for whatever reason. You do now. You don't know a lot of stuff. So there's that. But secondly, 
the an easy way to connect with people is not based on similar interests, but your similar situation, mm-hmm. sort of uh, an event you've had in common, where you're from, what you're doing. The laziest one is weather, which is why it's the default, because you know the person has it in common. You're trying to find any sort of common ground. Yep. So are you in an event? Are you both parents? Do you both come from poverty? Do you both have a brother named Paul? For, and it's the same brother. <laughs> it's, it turns yeah, out you're are you are you brothers. siblings? You can connect now. Um, third, you can connect on shared values like mm-hmm. the mindset of caring about business or anything else. You know, values are pretty important. Not everybody lines up interest wise, but we we often have a lot of cultural things we have in common. Yeah. And the other one I think that is actually maybe more important than the rest here is that you do not have to have common ground because you could be invested in them, their experiences, their interests. How do you open your mind to things if you don't talk to people who you don't have as much in common with? Because they're they're the people you have the most to learn from probably as long as you're willing to listen to stuff outside of your wheelhouse. Yeah. And you got to be invested in them. And I mean, this works for everything. It can work for relationships. I even found an article that was called, my husband and I have nothing in common and that's why our relationship works. Okay. And I would have to point out that in addition to that, Ashley and I don't have a whole lot of hobbies in common. We have like a few things. We have a handful of things in common. But as far as yeah. the big interests, we diverge. And that's okay because when she's doing stuff she's excited about, I'm excited to hear her be excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I want her to succeed in those things even though I'm never going to be a designer in that sense. I don't yeah. really care. I don't have the patience. And I don't know who she's talking about other than the fact that I've slowly learned some of them. Like, I don't care about these people that she looks up to in the same way. But I'm excited that she cares about it and she's passionate about it. Yeah. And she cares that I'm. she'll listen to me ramble on about some nonsense linguistic words that don't mean anything to her. But she's never going to care about it. Yep. And I know that. But she cares that I care. You can be invested in the person themselves. So yeah. at a family reunion, you gotta actually you gotta be like, What are you what are you doing, Uncle? I, I have no interest in it, but I'm interested that you're interested in it. They're passionate about something for a reason. Yep. Yeah, and sometimes you have to dig to get to that. Because I think people have this uh, this inherent belief that the things they're interested in aren't actually interesting to other people or they're like weird. They're weird. Yeah. You know, like I use this example a lot because it's powerful to me. Um, Anna loves to customize dolls and she spends hours and hours on it. She's been doing more art recently, but that was a big thing for her. But then when we go out and people would ask like, oh, what's your YouTube channel about when she'd mentioned she has one or, you know, what are you passionate about? She would feel uh, hesitant to say that's what it was because there's like this inherent built in belief that people aren't going to like that or they don't care about it or they think it's creepy or whatever. It is in the beginning stages, but it's still really cool. Yeah, and so this is the thing I told her. Like, I'm not a, I'm not into dolls, but she made one recently, and I was like, that actually looks pretty cool. Like, a lot of them, I'm just like, nah, I'm not that into it, but then she, like, got this one, and I'm like, that actually looks pretty cool. And the other thing is people who are confident and who carry themselves well and who seem interesting and they seem cool, they're the people who make nerdy, quote-unquote, interests cool. Like yeah, video games you, you bring were it to weird. the mainstream. Yeah, video games were weird to play for a long time. Um, like two years ago, if you were into Bitcoin and you knew about the blockchain, you were a freaking weirdo. I mean, you just look at Vitalik Buterin in any of his talks. He's wearing like a giant rainbow unicorn T-shirt, um, you know. But then 
people start talking about it more and more and then suddenly everyone's into it and blockchain is the hottest thing in Silicon Valley and like everyone wants to know about it. It's because like nerdy people who are still confident and who are willing to talk about what they're into make things that are nerdy not nerdy anymore. Yeah. Or at least mainstream. That's how all of culture evolves, I think. Like music was weird. Hey Y'all was a weird song when it came out. But then people started to realize, oh wow, Outcast is actually pretty cool. And now everyone yeah, loves Hey Y'all, you know? Um, the other thing I want to mention here is I think that when, when you're at a family reunion, you just kind of have to tell yourself that there's like one of two ways the situation can go. You can either force yourself to take interest in what the other person is interested in, and maybe it'll be awesome. Maybe you'll actually end up having a great conversation. Maybe it won't be that great. But the other option is for it to just be really awkward and silent the whole time. Yeah, if you so, don't take a chance, it's only going to be bad. Yeah. So what I was I was at a ski resort a while ago with some people that I'd never met before, and Anna was there, and I ended up talking about football and NFL with one of the guys. And later on, Anna was like, "You don't like football? Why were you talking about football with this guy?" It's because I know enough to hold a decent conversation. I played football in high school. I know the names of the teams. I can say, did you see that ludicrous display last night? As well as the next guy. So it's either we're going to have awkward silence or I'm going to talk to this guy about something that he really likes because one person has to do it. And you could say, well, why doesn't that guy talk to me about my love of Pokemon or microphone technology or whatever I'm into at the moment? Because he's not going to. So yeah. I'm going to be the person who does it. Yeah, you know? and you never know. There might be something really, like, deep there. If, if you've yeah. got just, like, a grandparent who spends an absurd amount of time caring for their lawn and, like, all, the, all that stuff, mm -hmm. maybe you talk to them, and then they'll, they'll just come up with this ridiculous philosophical belief they have that they're connected and they're attending to their part of the earth or something. Yeah. And you'll be like, that was a lot deeper than just mowing the lawn. I had no idea. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. People, people aren't all just boring. You're just, you just don't know why mm -hmm. they like what they like. They might give you a new interest. You know, I, I had zero interest in plants until like a few months ago. Yeah. Like Anna bought this book one time. It was like, grow your own vegetables. And I was like, who would care about that ever? And now it's really interesting to me. And I'm like looking up how yeah. to grow how, vegetables. How would you ever stuff. find out about interests if yeah. you were closed off to hearing about new ones that you didn't already share? Well, that's so this is the thing. And I feel like I read <clears> some <throat> research about this or heard a term, but I can't remember it. But I feel like some people maybe it's an autonomy thing or an independence thing, but they feel like they should only come up on new interests and new media if they discover it like on the internet independently. So they oh, were the one oh, who like, found it instead of being told by their, by their lame friends. But it, it's kind of the same. That way it can be more of a part of their identity in the friend group or yeah, something. Yeah. If you're, yeah. Maybe you feel like less independent and less cool. If, if you just get told about your interests by your friends that you, you know, you probably because, want to feel mildly unique. Yeah. But I think uh, you can take on a little bit of humility and work past that yes. because you don't have to be the person who discovered Mama Duwad, no. you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I keep bringing up Mama Duwad. Good I don't stuff. even know why he came to mind. I, I don't know because <laughs> it's great music. It is pretty great music. So I, the one thing I want to leave off on in this question is like listeners of this podcast, you need to be the people who are proactive because I think the grand majority of people are not proactive in a lot of situations. And if you want to have a great life in things like social interactions and in things like, you know, putting together events in your job, asking for a raise, doing something with your life, building a business, whatever it is, 
most people aren't going to be proactive, which means that the thing yeah. you want will not be handed to you. So you need to be the person who does it. Yeah, and even if every single person listening to this does it, you're still not the majority of humanity. So you, every single one of you, still has the same advantage. Exactly. Doing yeah. this, unless you all apply for like the same job at the same time or something. That is until we get the majority of humanity. Yeah. Once, to this once we've done that, the things we say won't be as unique anymore. That's true. Plus, we'll be able to charge like a billion dollars for sponsorships. Yeah. We'll like wreck the global economy. Nice. And literally, the majority of humanity is like, we already have a Squarespace site. Down with the machine. <laughs> We're advertising it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we need more babies so we can do more ads yeah. for Dollar Shave Club. Yeah. Now, they're going to take about 18 years to start growing facial hair, but don't worry. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number four. How can I better or how can I get better at estimating how long tasks will take? So what'd you have on that one? Well, I I've got, got a cool uh, thing in my back pocket, but one, if you really wanted to, you could like set up a spreadsheet and keep track for a few weeks and find out like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm doing this task, this type of task, definitely list that. And then this is how long I think it'll take. And then see how long did it take with a stopwatch or something. Yeah. And then, at the end of two weeks, you might have like an average of how off you usually are. But I don't think that that average is going to work that well for everything. You might find instead that it's by category. Like I mm. always underestimate programming problems, yeah. but I actually know exactly how long it takes to do the dishes. So we don't need to multiply the dish time. I think it'll take by five to be accurate. So it's a categorical fudge ratio. Yeah, it w I would definitely make it categorical because uh, at least a lot of the tasks I do are very different in complexity and right. they take different amount of time. And programming opens up like 17 new problems every time you solve one. So it's really hard to predict that one in particular. Branching tree of problems. Yeah. So yeah, there's the fudge ratio thing. Um, the people over at the Beeminder blog a few years ago wrote Ooh. this post about this this technique they use called Pomodoro Poker. And oh. I need to refresh myself later on about the exact details. We'll have the blog post in the show notes, and eventually I will probably do a video on it. But the idea is they do, for one, they do 45-minute Pomodoros instead of 25-minute Pomodoros. Okay. For some reason, they call them talks. I'm not sure why, but maybe it's like, just their, like their spelled fun like name. Like talking or like, uh, like, like talk, like a clock? Okay. Like that. And I think they like they have an ante. I don't know if it's money or favors like doing laundry or something like, like that. Like an ant. Like an auntie. Yeah, they've got an <laughs> okay. auntie. And they're going to, you, know, you can have my auntie. I digress. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember exactly what they do. But the whole idea is they, they're all going to do a 45-minute Pomodoro. So I think what they do is they, they have like an ante and then they choose what they're going to do within that 45 minutes. So they set the scope of the task. The time is fixed. It's always 45 minutes, but the ta task scope is different. And then the person who gets their task done as close as possible to that 45-minute mark without going over it wins. So the whole idea here is training yourself to be able to estimate what 45 minutes of work looks like. If you okay. go over, clearly you have underestimated what you wanted to do, which is, I think, the main problem. But the benefit of the poker setup is you're not going to, you know, try to just pick a super easy task that takes five minutes because the incentive is to work up until that 45-minute yeah. deadline. Yeah. Actually, so. I like that it's starting with the time too yeah. because often we'll start a task and we have a certain amount of time to do it and when we go over we feel terrible but if we had started the task at like if I only have 45 minutes 
it's better for me to on purpose say, here's 45 minutes worth of the task I want, rather than saying, I have to complete it all or nothing. It's yeah. going to take 14 hours instead. And now I'm late for everything. Yeah. Now, I do want to point out that this is fundamentally different in purpose than the Pomodoro technique. Because for me, at least, the Pomodoro technique is not for saying, I'm going to get this task done in 25 minutes. It's, I really am unmotivated and I'm not getting to work right now. And I've been just, you know, screwing around on the internet for a ton of time. All right, 25 minutes, I'm going to write. And if I want to stop at 25 minutes, I can. I don't care how much I've gotten done. And usually I shoot right past the 25 minutes yep. because as always, it takes you about 10 or 15 to get into that flow state. But once you're there, you keep working. But the whole point of Pomodoro Poker is to est or to build your ability to estimate how long it will actually take to complete a task. So I don't even know if the Pomodoro name should be in there, but that's what the B-Minder guys uh, named it. Fair. So we're going to go with that. Yeah. And, and outside of that, I guess my personal response to this is that... I would prefer just planning to do fewer things and leaving a lot of buffer time. Like mm -hmm. I leave, I, I'll take what it is. I'll just, here's a task I'm going to do. I'll just double. I'll just double the amount yeah. of hours I think it'll take. And then I don't look at the clock while I'm working because looking at the clock screws up my ability to get into the flow state because yep. basically either I'm like, oh, time's moving so slowly. Oh, no. Or time's going quickly, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't have enough time to do this task. So I better freak out about how I'm not doing this task instead of continuing to do this task. Yeah. And then you've just – you could – and also when you're at the end of the class, you know, five minutes till class is over, everybody checks out. So when you're aware of exactly what time you're at, it's a terrible distractor. That gives me an idea for merch. Yeah? Though I don't know how I would make this merch. So I have this watch here. What if there was a smartwatch that was usually a watch and a normal watch face, but during your work hours, when you looked at it, it just says, get back to work. Yeah. It doesn't have a watch face. Yeah. Well, I've disabled the <clears throat> clock on my, uh, on my computer. It's not in the taskbar. You have like no clocks. It's on my phone, but department. what I do is if I want to know how long I've spent doing something, I set a stopwatch on my phone. Mm -hmm. I put the phone far away from me and I come back to it when I'm done and I go, oh, that's interesting. That's how much time has passed. Because if I yeah. know what time it is. I kind of second guess everything and I'll stop right at the half hour because I'll be like, it's important that right after this half hour, I planned this other thing to do. Oh, so it's yeah. all compressed in there. But if instead I've set a lot of buffer time, then it's like that time that I was going to do French for a half hour accidentally did it for two hours instead. And that was a good thing because yep. I didn't know the half hour had even passed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the other thing I'll note here is like ideally your task list should be pretty small. Yeah. Because the bigger your task list gets, the more it becomes a wish list. Yeah. You're not going to actually get all those done. So it's more just like, I wish I could get all these things done today. Yeah. Well, that's gonna that's going to make you feel bad because you feel good about yourself. In fact, you feel good about yourself preemptively. You feel good during the planning phase, but you feel bad during the noticing that you didn't actually complete it phase. But if you just set yep. a modest and reasonable plan, you don't feel that cool during the planning phase. But you will feel cool when you actually did it all. So yep. do you want to feel accomplished now or later? The answer should be later because it's the only one with an accomplishment. That's true. That uh, that whole planning high you get is not that like, useful. I'm, I'm going to save the world today. You're going to feel like a failure every day yep. you set that goal, and you need to start small. Speak for yourself, though. I did save the world today. Oh, well, I'm not I that I fought cool. off like 100 ninjas on the way here. 100 ninjas. How do you know they yeah. weren't the good guys? Oh, no. Yeah. Nice job. Moving on. <laughs> 
Question number five. This is our final question, and this is a doozy. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll see how much I destroy and butcher this paragraph here. Usually, my life consists of moments of overthinking and continuous obsession over my work. I used to enjoy watching TV shows, but now when I try to watch one, I feel guilty for not being productive. <laughs> I feel like you messed this this up purposely, so it messed me up because it says not doing being productive. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I spend most of my weekend reading and studying, which wouldn't be a problem if it weren't for the times my brain crashes and I suddenly feel physically incapable of being productive. And I can't sleep because I worry about the things I'm not doing, so I just pace around my room until I feel better. This usually takes too long, and I'm not capable of doing much for the rest of the day. And this happens too often, so I would like to know how to stop it. This reminds me of Anna in college. Yeah. Not the pacing and everything, but Anna likes to play video games. And I remember like when Dishonored came out, she really wanted to play Dishonored. But she would always tell herself, I can't play Dishonored because I have all of this homework to do. And then she's on Facebook because she doesn't have... She's doing neither. Exactly. She doesn't have the motivation to do the work. But because she has the work, she feels guilty and she won't let herself do the fun thing. So, I mean, as always, this is a whole idea of like high density fun is better than low density fun. Playing that fun video game is better than looking at Facebook. Going on a hike with friends is better than watching Netflix. And you got to tell yourself that. Yeah. I want high density fun in my life and I will use that high density fun as motivation to compress my work time and make it more effective. Yeah, and also you could have you could have managed the high density fund. She could have been like, "I'm going to play games, but for for a half hour." But on Facebook, it is likely that since it was actually just attempting to distract her from guilt, that it was yeah. much longer than what she would have sent the high density fund for. Yeah, and here's the funny thing, right? Facebook is not fun. No, compared to a video game, everyone bad. will agree Facebook on that. Feels bad. Everyone will agree on that. But the funny thing is, Facebook more than almost anything the world has ever created has been tailored and tweaked and studied to be as addictive as possible. Like the, the freaking smartest people in the world are graduating with graduate degrees in computer science and marketing and human psychology and human brain performance and all that kind of stuff. And they're going to work at Facebook. They're going to work at Instagram. They're going to work at Google to figure out how to keep your eyes on that app as long as possible. Yeah. And like as addictive as that video game is, it's likely the people who designed that weren't quite as pedigreed in keeping your eyes glued to it. Yeah, they probably now, were just designing fun. Yeah. Now, sometimes games have, you know, reward mechanisms and loops that do get you uh, really uh, addicted, like in the case of World of Warcraft and MMOs and stuff yeah. like that. RPGs. Well, that, they, they want you to keep playing. Mm. If I buy sure. a, a PS4 game, they don't actually get any more money if I play it more hours. Exactly, yeah. So I don't want to say that video games aren't addictive or can't be addictive, um, but... And this is video games is just an example. You know, I'm not trying to say video games is the only high density fun out there. It's just what my brain gravitates to. So maybe guitar is a good one. Guitar has not been designed by a zillion people with graduate <laughs> degrees to be ridiculously addictive. It's a, a few planks of wood and some strings. And I love playing music, but, you know, if I get caught up and I play music for way too long, I feel pretty good about myself. Yeah, it boosts you know? your self esteem. Yeah. Rather I never feel good scrolling it. through Facebook. Facebook is the worst. Yeah. Um, I guess it's a decent marketing tool, and there's it's useful for events and things like that. But scrolling through the feed, it's not cool. Yeah. Uh, what did you have for this? Well, first I had slow down because clearly there's too much on this person's plate. Mm -hmm. Clearly. It needs, it needs to have some stuff cut, so maybe – Either check out the book Essentialism, maybe listen to our episode on it. It's episode 171. Cool. 
So CIGpodcast.com slash 171 because we have cool short links. But there is too much. You need breaks. It's good for your brain. You will be more productive taking breaks than you are right now. Yep. And if you haven't already, then it sounds – and it sounds like you may have actually. You're going to give yourself an anxiety attack. I am familiar with these. They're not awesome. I'm also familiar with them specifically about being not productive. And then you get anxious about your anxiety because you're like, oh, no, I'm filled with anxiety. I'm still not being productive. And anxiety about anxiety is not a good thing. Sounds like a snowball effect. It is a terrible, terrible loop that it's hard to get out of. So you do not want to do this. So if nothing we say here helps, maybe see like a therapist or a counselor or something. Maybe your college has some some sort of mental health for its students thing because you do not want to get stuck in this loop. It will kill your productivity instead. Mm -hmm. And um, for the limited amount of things, you know, go through essentialism, do very few things successfully and not a lot of things to a mediocre level. And for the things you're going to do, set very well-defined goals. And for this specific person, I'm going to say right now, well-defined means probably less than you initially think that you should do. Yeah. You need to just pick what you think is reasonable, like cut it to three-fourths or half, and that's your new goal until you get the hang of things. And maybe set a minimum and a maximum for how much time you'll put on these tasks. Mm -hmm. So like if I was like, I'm not reading fast enough. I got to get through all my books. Ah, 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 but I'm busy. I might say, okay, I'm going to read at least 10 minutes today, but I am going to set a timer because I'm going to stop at 40 minutes because I have other stuff to do today. And if I get too into this book or I feel like I'm supposed to finish it because I'm in a hurry now, now I'm late for the next thing. Yeah. And if I'm late for the next thing, then I will probably also freak out about that. I'm filled with anxiety about being late and it was on the schedule. And now I'm late for the next thing. And mm-hmm. you cascade into ruining the rest of your day. So set like a maximum after which you did it. Good job. You did 100% of what you were allowed to do. That's as good as you can do. That's a perfect score. Yep. You're done. Now go play Monster Hunter or something. That yeah. Actually, Monster Hunter is very anxiety inducing. <laughs> play a different game. That game makes me mad. Yeah, I don't. At this point, Gungeon doesn't give me an anxiety. I mean, I have stuff I haven't beaten yet, but I, I just I don't know. Monster Hunter is like about having anxiety. You go fight terrifying things and think you're gonna yeah, lose. That is true. I don't know. Play some so, VR, yeah. but or something. yeah, just do that. Do something to take a break, or you will lose your productivity long term. Not just yeah. today, but you know, until you get this sorted out, because you will not be productive or successful like this. You, it'll hurt you, and I've. I've had all these things happen before. Mm-hmm. It's not great. I know. There's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, I do want to share something that works for me when I when I deal with. It's usually not guilt over doing things I want to do, but it is just this general like funk and not being able to get into my work. I go for a walk. It always helps every single time, and usually I will choose to walk to a different location from where I am because usually I'm in the funk at home. You know, I'm surrounded by all my fun stuff and I have my couch there. And like, if it's 3.30 PM, I might be like, "Mm, maybe I could just call it a day today. But if I go for a walk and I walk to maybe a coffee shop or library or something like that with one intention to show up and do a Pomodoro, just that, that usually helps because now I'm like, I got some energy. I got some sunlight. I went for a walk that is revitalizing and I'm showing up at a place with an intention. So now like, I'm not going to not do that thing because I just spent all this time walking there. Yeah. So you're saying like, I'll do at least this at least one Pomodoro one session. Thing. All right. Just one. And after that, you'll but probably it is do more. that one task. 
So if I'm going to go for that walk and I know that I need to do that thing, I'm not putting into my mind, hey, I'm going to Starbucks to do these three things because what will happen is I'll get there and then I'll do the easier ones, putting off the one I know <laughs> I should be doing and then I won't do it. So don't check your email instead of the actual thing you're putting this off. Is, yeah, this is a problem. And That's this a is a big, This is why the iPad is actually helping me a lot because I don't check the email on the iPad. It's not fun to do email on the iPad. I mean, email is not fun, but it's not... It's not for email. Like yeah. it doesn't have my keyboard shortcuts. So the moment I open the app, I'm like, wait a minute, I can't do the shortcuts. This is stupid. So I just open up my writing stuff and I do it. So use an iPad or use a notebook. You know, don't bring everything that will allow you to do the easy tasks. Yeah, that's a really good point about not not like faking productivity by starting yeah. on the easy stuff. I struggle with with feeling good because I did the easy things and then putting off the hard things. That's like one of my biggest productivity struggles. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you know there are a lot of little tiny easy things. Oh, there are infinite tiny little easy things that might make something better. And they got to be done eventually. But you know what? If I'm honest with myself, I should be hiring those things out or I should be batching them. Yeah. I shouldn't be like, I think I'm going to do 10 emails on script writing day. No. Well, the difference between writing your email today and tomorrow is very little in almost all cases of that email. But your script might make a big difference if you finish it today or tomorrow. So that that makes a lot of sense to not sort of give yourself – it's like when you plan a whole bunch of stuff. You're giving yourself the feeling of accomplishment Mm -hmm. in a sort of cheaty way without actually doing what you wanted to accomplish. Yep. But I'm always reminding myself of, you know, the the change in mind state from – you know, normal in the shallows, like right now to, you know, 10 minutes after starting a session. It is, it is remarkable. And I just, I, I meditate on that. I meditate on this is what it takes to get into the state of flow. And it's hard every single time, but when I do it, it's good. On the plane today, I was going to watch baby driver and just play video games the whole time. And I knew that I should research for uh, the next video that's coming out. So I just sucked it up and I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And it wasn't fun at first, but I had the links. I had everything offline. It was all prepared. And then once I got into it, I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. This is actually a really cool topic. And I ended up with half the script, you know? So eh, I don't think I have any more to say on that. Yeah. I think that's that's enough. So, and that actually wraps up our five questions. How do you think it went? Pretty nice new setup. I, I like know. this, actually. I think the three cameras made it three times as productive, probably. Three times as productive, yeah. Well, I better be three times as productive because I have to go edit now. Yeah. And it will take longer. That sounds fun. <laughs> All right. So, guys, this is episode 201. So, if you're listening to this, you can find the show notes at cigpodcast.com slash 201. You'll find links to Spotify study playlists. You'll find links to the books we mentioned, other episodes we mentioned, all kinds of good stuff. Our show notes guy is very thorough. Lots of good resources there. And if you are watching this on YouTube, the link will be down in the description below. Um, Beyond that, you can review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That's definitely a helpful thing to do. Uh, One thing I'm also doing now is more Instagram stuff. So if you want to see what I'm working on, just little tiny tips that I think of during the day. I'm on Instagram at Tom Frankly, so follow me there. You don't really use Instagram. I don't use social media, I don't feel really. the need to plug your social media because no. you don't really use it. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, follow That's my fair. social media. And follow me in real life. <laughs> follow Martin in real life. Like, stalk him. Yeah. Something like that. Don't do it. Don't do that. He's not going to like that, um, which is probably going to be motivation for some people to do it for oh, the no. laughs. <laughs> It, I'll only laugh if they do it like in a really weird, like, 
There we go. Yeah. Sneaky, like Scooby Doo sort of way, and there then I'll go. know that they're joking and that they're not killing like me. Like the Robbie Rotten. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just, yeah. Like that. So yeah, um, follow me on Instagram. Martin does not care if you follow him. And then we also have our favorite resources, apps, gear that we find is very useful for students. Uh, we have a whole packing guide for college, and we have a list of books that we recommend. And some of these new books in the set here are going to be making it into that list at some point soon, I'm thinking. So check those out, collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. As always, those are in the show notes as well. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week's episode. Stay cute.